Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Broadcasted live. Hey! Hey! Who wants to have some fun? There are balls coming from all over the place. Left field, center field, right field. See, this, this is the kind of thing, quite honestly, right now, that makes you want to see the Chicago Cubs team lose. Now, are you just saying you want to have fun, or do you really want to have fun? It'll be fun. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, or get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland. Get in You talking to me? You talking to me? That is the farthest thing in the universe from the truth. Hello, everyone, live. It's the Dan Scott Show. And right there is your host, Dan Scott. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of the newly rebranded Dan Scott Show podcast. I am Dan, just incredibly excited and grateful to have you with us here on this edition of the podcast and, uh, well, for a number of reasons, as always, but one very specific reason today, because this one's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun for me personally, and I hope it's going to be a lot of fun for you as well. Podcast is presented each and every time out by our friends at Tadaro Pizza. They are uh, in downtown Greenville, South Carolina, bucket list pizza. Uh, I keep telling you that every time we do one of these. If you've never been there, you need to go. If you're coming into the upstate of South Carolina from out of state, you need to check out Tadaro. And they have the Clemson location as well. Uh, it's just fantastic stuff. Tadaro Pizza Greenville on both Facebook and Twitter. Thank John for uh, doing his part to continue to support what we do here on a regular basis. Also, don't forget about the Dan Scott Show channel on TuneIn Radio, 24-7 streaming. A lot of these podcasts are playing in rotation there. A lot of my speaking at churches and to groups playing there and archived interviews going as far back as 2003 right now Uh, The oldest one we have running is with Bobby Thompson of the Shot Heard Round the World fame and a number of others that are there and more that we'll be adding. So uh, just kind of a little bit of a hybrid, kind of like this podcast, uh, a chance to still keep my foot in the world of sports a little bit, but also to use it as a platform to share Christ. And that's what we're all about here. The last two or three episodes of the podcast have been heavy on the sharing Christ. This one is going to be a little more heavy on the sports aspect of things with a bit of a devotional thought at the end. But uh, can I say who day out there to all my Bengals fans and to all you who should be Bengals fans? After 33 years, the Bengals are headed back to the Super Bowl. And uh, this edition of the podcast We are going to spend some time with four members of that last Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl team. Stanford Jennings, Ira Hillary, Barney Bussey, and Albert Icky Woods. It's just an incredible time, uh, almost an hour, about 48 minutes I think we spent on a Zoom call. And, And I'll just caution you as you listen to this, 
there's some talking over uh, one another and some of the things. Uh, well, you've been on Zoom. The pandemic has brought all of us into Zoom. You know how it can be. I did my best to try to herd all of that together, but it was a fun time. We were having a, a, a very in-depth talk, and then Icky showed up about halfway through, and everything blew up, and I couldn't have been happier. It, it was fun. You're going to hear that when we come back in just a moment. So we're going to celebrate the upcoming Super Bowl appearance by my Cincinnati Bengals by looking back at the last one and getting their thoughts on this current Cincinnati Bengals team. That is all ahead in just a moment here on this edition, episode 11 of the Dan Scott Show podcast. The power of choice is a game changer in any walk of life, and insurance coverage is no different. Dana McMahon and Goosehead Insurance give you that power. With over 80 insurance carriers to shop, Dana finds the best coverage at the best price. How successful is he? Goosehead's client loyalty score is more than double that of traditional agencies, and the local agency in Taylor's has a 97.8% customer satisfaction rating. Goosehead specializes in home and auto insurance, but offers all lines of personal coverage. And Goosehead's cutting-edge technology speeds up the quote process. Find out how much you can save on insurance today. Call Dana McMahon at Goosehead Insurance, 864-626-6745. That's 864-626-6745. Or visit www.goosehead.com. That's Dana McMahon and Goosehead Insurance. Dan Scott here for the Atlanta Bread Company. What do I like about Atlanta Bread? Well, too much to mention in a short commercial, but here are a few things. Bread baked daily fresh on site, a tremendous selection of soup, sandwiches, and salads, seasonal special additions to the menu, delicious hot coffee, and a bevy of other drink options, and yeah, can't forget about the baked sweet goodies. Dine in or carry out, and when you have the Atlanta Bread Company app, you can order and pay online, then breeze past the lines to the pickup counter to get your food. Experience it for yourself. That's the Atlanta Bread Company, Cherry Dale Point in Greenville. Let me tell you something, Cowboy. This rookie can really bring the heat. He's smoky and spicy with a Chipotle style all his own. It's a new Montgomery and Chipotle barbecue sauce. Make it a part of your home team. Available now at your neighborhood grocer or online at CincyFavorites.com. Every sports fan's goal should be make it to the Hall of Fame. Well, we have you covered with Hall of Fame Sports Grill at 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard in Greenville. Known for their great food and fantastic daily specials, Hall of Fame has you covered with all the game action on their 30 televisions. Plus weekly events like Tuesday night's Bar Trivia for Dummies, Wednesday night's Music Bingo, Thursday night's Dirty Bingo, and Karaoke with Fred Rock every Friday. That's 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard, HalloFameSportsGrill.com. Treat yourself to one of the fastest growing, most entertaining activities in the upstate with a visit to Craft Axe Throwing. From casual axe throwing to the World Axe Throwing League, Kraft has it all right here in Greenville. Get in-house safety instruction, then claim a lane and start throwing today. League nights available for those who love to compete. Kraft Axe Throwing, 1320 Hampton Boulevard in Greenville. Call 864-301-6032 or visit craftaxethrowing.com. 
Sometimes cleaning up the neighborhood begins at home. When it does, call on Shane's Powerhouse Washing. Shane's is a family-owned business which prides itself on being on time and doing the job right the first time. Residential or commercial, home, business, driveway, parking lot, decks, fences, even dumpster pads. If it needs cleaning, Shane's Powerhouse Washing will get it done. Also, ask about the handyman services available. Call today, 864-760-9184 or check out the website, www.shanespowerhousewashing.com. This is episode 11 of the Dan Scott Show podcast. I am Dan. As always, very happy to have you with us. If you have uh, questions, comments, criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. The Dan Scott Show at gmail.com. The Dan Scott Show at gmail.com. So uh, you can interact with us that way. You can find us wherever podcasts are available. Interact with us, like, share, and help us grow this podcast. All right. As mentioned, I had the opportunity, and I I need to thank Stanford Jennings for this. He and I have the Furman University connection. He played at Furman before going on to play in the NFL with the Bengals primarily. I, of course, am in my 11th season as the play-by-play voice of the Furman Paladins and the director of broadcasting for the last six years. So we have that connection. So on Monday, after the AFC Championship game, dramatic overtime win over Kansas City, I shot Stanford a text and said, hey, why don't we jump on a podcast and talk about this a little bit? And he was all for it. And me being greedy, I said, hey, won't you invite some of your former teammates? And he was all for it. So we ended up with not only Stanford Jennings, but wide receiver Ira Hillary, defensive back Barney Bussey, and then about halfway through, Icky Woods drops in. And trust me, there'll be no question about when Icky shows up. So this is 48 minutes long. It is the Zoom conversation between me and those four members of the 88 Bengals Super Bowl team. I really think you're going to enjoy this. Check it out. Well, this is going to be fun. It, it, it has to be because it's been 33 years in the making for those of us who have been long-suffering Cincinnati Bengals fans. I have told so many people this week that nobody will ever accuse me of being a bandwagon fan. The, the, the Bengals have been my team since I was a kid, and I have been through two Super Bowl trips with them. And now, 33 years later, we're going to do it again. And uh, I'm, I'm just excited because we've got some former Bengals here. Of course, Stanford Jennings and I, we have the Furman connection. Uh, and, and, and he's done one of these Zoom things with us at Furman before. So Stanford is here. And uh, also with us right now, Ira Hillary, former wide receiver on that team. Barney Bussey, a, a defensive back on that 88 Super Bowl team. And we may have a special guest joining us a little bit late. But uh, gentlemen, good to see you. Um, Brandon Bennett, who played in the 90s, couldn't be with us. He was going to join us, but he had something come up. So he told me to make sure I told you guys who day. <laughs> Stanford, thank you. I'll start with you for uh, helping coordinate this. I, I just kind of tossed it out there to you if you wanted to get together and do this, and you said yes. And I said, "Hey, we'll invite some of your friends." And here we are. So thank you. Yeah, no, that was that was uh, certainly uh, something I wanted to uh, bring some folks along. And you know, this is kind of a special time, and it's it's such a special time 
for us as a collective group because we were such a close team. You know, these are some of my best friends, um, you know, to this day. And it's just so happened that we've known each other for a number of years and had the fortunate uh, opportunity to play together in the NFL. And, uh, and then, you know, life after football, we're still, you know, in the same city. Uh, families are like, our family's kids are like brothers and sisters. Um, it's just a, a, a great thing. And I wanted to certainly, um, you know, kind of have them join and to uh, kind of be a part of this. Well, Ira, you were the, the, the next one to hop online. So I'll just kind of go in order here. You, you still live in Cincinnati, right? Yes, I've been here uh, since 1986, man, and uh, haven't gone back uh, to my old hometown. You know, and made this home and uh, have been enjoying. You know, and, and Barney, you're not too far outside of Cincinnati. You're in Westchester, right? I'm about 25 miles outside of Cincinnati in the, what you call suburbs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like like Ira, I mean, we've been here since '86. Um, you know, when I left Cincinnati and went to Tampa, I finished my career, we kept our home here and raised the kids, so we've been here ever since. We're going to talk a lot about this year's team, want to talk a lot about what made that 88 team so special. And But I, I told um, Stanford right before you guys got on, the, the first thing that came to mind when Evan McPherson kicked that game winner on Sunday, the very first thing I thought, the very first thing I hit social media with was I wish Sam Weish was here to see this team because he would he would absolutely love this team, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Sam was probably, outside of Paul Brown, probably the most beloved coach in Cincinnati. Uh, matter of fact, he drafted myself and Stanford, and Stanford has a bigger connection with him because they attended Furman. So Sam would have really been, I mean, he, he would have been overjoyed. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I think Sam Sam would have just been beside himself. You know, he would have definitely been been there uh, the other night when um, McPherson kicked that field goal. He would have been right there uh, on stage one. You know, he might have been the one that was uh, presenting the dog trophy. Because uh, with, with his enthusiasm, man, it just, it, it just kind of – spurred all us in order to play the way that we did. Well, Stanford, what was it about him as a coach that that was so connecting to you guys? I think because Sam was a player mm-hmm. and, you know, coming from that side of it, but also kind of going into the, the coaching side of it, his, you know, his overall style, it was what we describe as the player coach. And you just knew kind of the you can just see all of the knowledge and just kind of feel all of the knowledge that he's had inside and what he's able to kind of get across to you and just break it down in the simplest form. But then I think as you're absorbing this, you see how creative, you know, how creative it is and how just ingenious, ingenious it is, you know, of the things that we are coming out with. And then when you put that together with success, you know, you just really have a lot of people that buy in. And I think that's kind of what's, you know, what Sam kind of brought to it in regards to, um, you know, he had a strong uh, coaching staff. And, you know, with that, you know, from a defensive side of the ball, we had the great Dick LeBeau there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sam was, Sam was one that he knew that, 
Duke LaFoe was the, was the guy, you know, for the defense. And, you know, he would let him do his things in a very creative way. And that was something that, you know, we had, uh, I think Barney can certainly tell you, some of the things that Dick LeBeau was able to do creatively on the defensive side really kind of matched Sam, you know, on the offensive side of it. And uh, we were just very fortunate to have, you know, those type of great minds, um, you know, as, as coaches in, in coming through it. And, uh, you know, Sam just, just really was able to kind of connect with players. You know, he certainly, you know, to Iris one, he connected with the city, um, just in, just in everything. So, and, and Barney, the one, I, I guess if you want to talk about all the ways that Sam was an innovator, one of the things that, that he's most known for was, was bringing the hurry-up offense into the NFL that Buffalo went on to steal and, and claimed credit, credit oh, no. for Bar- later. Bar- Barney. Barney ain't the one that should be talking about. I, well, that, I'm, 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 he, I'm, he was on the defensive side. I, I know. I'm, know about I'm going to the defense. Okay, I'm going to the I'm defense first. I'm, I'm going to the defense first. I, I had a method to my madness here, and and, 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 and the reason the reason I brought it up is because in turn that made Dick LeBeau the first defensive coordinator that had to deal with a guy who wasn't concerned about time of possession. Defense might be out there for four or five minutes. Offense may only be out there for three or four plays. Score quick. He was going to do what he could. And, and all of a sudden, your defense is back out there again. That's football today. That was kind of a novel approach back then, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the beauty of, of the creative genius that Sam was almost kind of like prepared us as a defense for anything that uh, another team was going to try to run on us. Uh, you know, when you get in these 12, 13, 14 play drives, I mean, it takes toll on the defense sometimes. Well, we was prepared because we played against the offense that was a little bit more up-tempo. Uh, I remember we played in the uh, uh, AFC Championship game with Buffalo. You know, Buffalo tried to run that on us, you know, but we was prepared for it, so it, – it, you know, it, it didn't bother us at all. But I, I think for me personally, uh, the way Sam was, Sam drafted me out of college. I had a personal relationship with him. And I just think his enthusiasm, what he was trying to do to the team, we kind of bought in on that. And for most of my career, I kind of stayed with Sam. So so did Stanford. Yeah. 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 I, I, okay, Ira, I'll give you your shot now. The, 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 I know, I know you were. The, but the other thing, when you're talking about being innovative, you're talking about the guy that invented the the uh, no huddle offense, and uh, to to be a part of, of something like that, man, it was out of this world. You know, we we were able to, and and Sam them, they they had such a great plan, and and we practice all this stuff all the time. But we were able to say one word, and everybody knew exactly what to do. And and every when you're talking about everybody being on the same page, uh, we knew that when the other team tried to substitute, and it was within the rules, you know, hey, Boomer would just say something or, or make some type of motion, and we're off and running plays. And and eventually, it got to the point to where the defense they they had to fake injuries in order to uh, <laughs> in order to try to come back. They, they, the, the, the system that we had uh, in place. Yeah, and that's when, when I mentioned Buffalo. The, the NFL actually changed the rules the week before that 
AFC Championship game to to keep Sam's offense from doing what it had done all season long, and then you turn around a year or two later, Buffalo's running the same offense and claiming credit for it. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Claiming that they, they would have won that and finished. <laughs> <laughs> Stanford, I, I had so many conversations with Sam over the years, and, and it still boggles my mind that the guy who became the head coach of my favorite football team when I was a senior in high school later would become a friend of mine and, and did a number of radio shows with me. We talked about this on the air and off the air. But in, in 1987, of course, the team was 4-11. and That was the strike year. There was a lot of discord around the league, discord in Cincinnati. And going into to camp in, in 88, he, he made a, a decision that I've heard him talk about so many different times. He roomed offensive guys with defensive guys. He roomed white guys with black guys. He did everything he could to get rid of that dis- discord, bring unity to the team. So when the offense was on the field, the defensive guys were invested because I had just roomed with that guy in camp and got to know something about his family, about his life, and those type of things. On the surface, it doesn't seem like a big thing, but you hear him talk about it and the impact it had on the team. It had to be monumental. You guys lived it. And Stanford, I'll start with you. What was what what was the impact of that? Um, really, I think your word, monumental. Um, that, I mean, thinking about kind of what we went through within the strike year, mm-hmm. um, we were in a bad place. You know, um, really was a, we're in a bad place, and. I think not so much from an internal player, but kind of player to establishment side of it. It was just a lot of healing that needed to be done. And it was just really just such a brilliant move by Sam to kind of put an accelerant into that, that, uh, that bolt, that bonding for us for that next year in that move, you know, doing that type of move. And it's, it's one of those things that I think at our last Super Bowl, I think one of our gatherings that they brought us all, I don't know if it was the 50th or the Super Bowl. It's one of those things where everyone, you know, you knew who your roommate was back then. And there was just a, a special bond that connected, you know, within that whole process. Cause that was just something that kind of just really just propelled us as a collective group. I think the camaraderie of that, Super Bowl team, you know, coming out of that year is, you know, still as strong as it is, you know, ever been. It's, it's just, and that's 33 years later, and we still have this closeness, you know, about each other. Um, and like I said, I'm not in the Cincinnati area, but, you know, Barney and Ira are, and um, so I don't get a chance to be a part of, of the events. But, you know, whether it's a golf, golf outing or any type of event, it's a – you know, poof, those, those guys are, are out there, you know, together as a collective group, you know, rallying around each other and, and, and supporting each other. And uh, so those are the type of things that that little move just really just enforced a bond, you know, across, you know, the whole team and, and, and the players. And like I said, we do care about each other on the field, but certainly off the field as well. Barney and Ira, you guys are both shaking your heads as he's talking, so I'll give each of you a chance to to kind of weigh in on that. Uh, Ira, you want to go first? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it, it was it was all about breaking down barriers and anything that 
he thought could get in the way of us winning collectively. You know, he, he had thought about those things, you know, like you said, to put a, a offensive guy with the defensive guy, black guy with the white guy, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you went into those games knowing and being able to communicate with each other on a certain level to where no one got upset because, you know, it didn't matter who you were, you know, Barney could say something to me, Hey, Ira, you know what I'm saying? You need to catch that ball or you need to get it in gear. Come on, let's go. You know, that, that was, I wasn't going to look at Barney and go, Hey, look, man, you need to go do it. No, we had already built something. We had communicated. We, we had, uh, been in rooms together, sleeping overnight and all that kind of stuff. And you shared stories and, and, and you shared, uh, the things that, you know, you, you wanted in comp, I mean, the things that, uh, you wanted to achieve, you know, from a goal standpoint and Super Bowl, if anybody's playing professional sports, well, professional football, the one thing that you want to be is a Super Bowl champion. So just talking to each other about, you know, what it would be like and what it would take in order to get there. Hey, once you got there on that field, um, it, it, it was uh, time to go. And, and uh, we responded not only to the coaches, we responded to each other. Yeah. Barney? Yeah, and I, and, and I agree with you, Dan, uh, when you talk about monumental um, and what Sam did for us, getting us the room with black guy, white guy, defense, offense guy. And Stan, you're right. We In 87, we were in a very dark place in respect mm-hmm. to what was going on with the team because during the strike year, we had some key members of our team cross over. Yeah. You know, so there was a lot of bad blood uh, on the team. A lot of guys didn't really talk about it that much. We, we just tried to get through the year. I mean, we was always in the ball game, but we always, for whatever reason, found a, a way to lose the game. So it was unheard of back then for me to be able to go and run with a, with a white guy because – where I played ball was all black players, 99% of them. So to really get to roommate with a, a, a white guy and get to know him, know his family, his background, what he likes to do, what they don't like to do. And then we was raised up, our kids was raised up with their kids. We would get together and do things. And it really kind of brought us closer together. And we probably really didn't think about it until later Mm-hmm. Um, the impact of it when it was all said and done because when we went into that Super Bowl year, the next year, I mean, all of us was on the same page. All of us was pulling for each other. And I think that just carried on. And that was just one of the geniuses, uh, you know, that Sam was. Stanford, I have said on a number of different occasions that whether we're talking about race relations in this country or we're we're talking about any of this discourse we had, if this country could come together like football locker rooms do, and 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 those guys, how despite what what the race may be, what their religion may be, what their economic background may be, the 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 great teams. They, they form that bond. Doesn't mean they always get along, but they handle it like a family. Yeah. If our country could could do like a, a football locker room does, we'd be in pretty good shape right now, wouldn't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, sports is, uh, 
is the 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 one area where you see and you see the the results of unity and uh you know if we can get to a point where that on the field carries skill to you know all that are involved with it or just basically seeing it i think we're we're gonna be in a better better place as a nation this is, by the way, uh, episode 11 uh, of the newly rebranded Dan Scott Show podcast. We are talking with three members of the last Cincinnati Bengals team to make the Super Bowl uh, prior to the one that's going to be playing in a couple of weeks. Um, Stanford Jennings, who, uh, of course, is a former Furman Paladin. Ira Hillary, former wide receiver on that team. Barney Bussey, defensive back on that team. And still holding out hope we may have a special guest drop through before this all said and done, or um, when it's uh, when we're done here, uh, one of the other things about that Super Bowl that Sam talked about a lot was what happened the night before, and the 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 sad story that that Stanley Wilson became and and fought so hard to overcome those demons, and and then had that happen the night before, it obviously impacted the game plan on the field, but the one thing it did not seem to do, and you guys can tell me, it didn't seem to be a, the distraction that it could have become because you came within 37 seconds of, of winning the whole thing anyway. What can, can you put into words what that whole situation was like? Stanford, I'll start with you. Okay, so that was, uh, so you can imagine the, the emotions of that day, for me, the day before the Super Bowl, my daughter was born like two o'clock that that Saturday, and then we go into a a meeting. It was, was around seven o'clock, guys. I think it was around six or seven. Yeah. And then, you know, to meeting starting a little late, and then Sam to walk in with that news. It was, I mean, it was. I think we're all just kind of in this stunned silence, you know, of that whole process of, as to what just happened you know throughout this but i think kind of what kind of kicked in is our resiliency um as kind of what's happened throughout the year you know we weren't coming into this super bowl undefeated you know we've had some we had some some losses there um that kind of you know put us in check there but i think that everyone just kind of knew that this was you know we were at the spot where we wanted to be and where we, you know, work to be. And uh, it was just one that we had to kind of really put it behind us and just kind of let it let it go and just play our game. It, it, it sounds kind of easy to, to say that 33 years later, but, but Ira being a wide receiver on that team, Stanley Wilson had become a big part of that running game with, with, with Icky and with James Brooks. And, and it, it was a power running game that offset the the high-flying passing game of Boomer and Eddie Brown and all of those other guys, yourself included. So you, you take that chunk out of there, and and, and yet, again, you found a way to overcome that. Oh, yeah, we, we really and truly did. The, the thing about Stanley and, and everybody else on the team, everybody had a role to play. And Sam used to always say, do your job. And everybody had their job in order to do. And Stanley was definitely good at doing his job. And for him not to be a part of that game, you know, we had guys stand, uh, step up without a doubt. 
but we 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 fought tooth and nail the entire year and to to that particular game and less than 24 hours before the game you know you lose a member of your team you know that takes a little bit uh out of you and uh we like i said with the other guys coming in stepping up we knew that we could beat those guys but i think we just ran out of uh we just ran out of time. Barney was yeah, I, it did have an impact. What was it? Barney was it anger when you found out? Was it shock? Was it sadness? Was it concern for Stanley? Was it a little bit of everything when that meeting I, I, happened? I, I, yeah, I think so. I think it was a little bit of everything. But from a defensive standpoint, it didn't change anything that we was going to do. Uh, but from a friendship or teammate standpoint. It, it, it bothered us because we knew Stanley had been fighting these demons all year long, and we were pretty much sure that we had pretty much overcome that stuff, and we had got to this point, and, and just not to have him, I think, kind of stunned us at first. But then we knew we had to get past that, and we had a task at hand that we still had to try to do the best we can could without him. And uh, again, like I would say, I think everybody kind of stepped up, but at that moment. Barney Bussy, you telling lies? God. <laughs> Barney Bussy, you telling Our lies? Our special guest is here. <laughs> <laughs> we always, we always get I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late, boys. I'm sorry I'm late, man. I I was on another interview. You know, they, they, they want me right now. You know, I, I, I apologize. I apologize. That, that is the voice uh, for the podcast. That is the voice of Elbert Icky Woods. And, and I thought you were late because you were trying to drag that chain that you were wearing on hey, the stage. Hey, watch out now. Watch out now. And, and how, how, how heavy was that thing? I, I told Ira earlier it looked like it was bigger than a Flavor Flav clock, man. That, that, oh, thing, yeah, that man. thing was banging. They, <laughs> they calling me the bingo flavor flag, baby. The bingo flavor flag. <laughs> well, this, this thing just blew up, didn't it? <laughs> what's going on, Ick? Hey, hey, Ira, what's going on? What's up, Buster? I'm glad to join us, man. Oh, man, yeah, man. I, I saw I'm running a little late, boys. I, I apologize, man. I meant to be on no. my own time, man. I, I apologize. Understand. Thanks for thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. You know, oddly oddly enough, Vicky, that's what they said that that they're used to it. Oh yeah, you you used to be running just a little bit late, man. Not much, but just a little bit. (laughs) That's great. Hey, we've been talking about the '88 team, and we've been talking about Sam Weich, and and we we were just finishing up talking about what had happened with Stanley Wilson the night before, And, and and Ira, you you mentioned something. Um, that that Sam always said, do your job. And and there's that famous clip where they had him mic'd up on the sideline for that Super Bowl, and there's that famous clip. I don't know who he was talking to. It might be somebody on this screen. It might not. But he said, when we give you the football, do your job. When we don't give you the football, do your job. Don't be a selfish football player. And, that, and, and it, Ira, you mentioned that. that. That was Sam's mantra, wasn't it? Do your job. Yeah, it was. It, it was. Uh, everybody got a job to do, and and uh, when when you put all the puzzle pieces together, guess what? We were a very tough team in order to contend with. 
And, you know, each each and every week we went into the game, you know, with, with a certain game plan in order to attack the defense, you know, and hit them where they, they're weak are, where their weaknesses were. And uh, from that, we, we just kind of uh, uh, propelled ourselves each and every week, each and every game, learning how to play uh, together and do exactly what the coaches are saying because – I, I don't. I can't recall a week that they didn't put us in position in order for us to win a game. Yeah, he was talking about. Icky. He, he was talking yeah, about Icky. I didn't really say that, but, uh, He was talking. Uh, he was talking to me and JB on that because uh, me and JB was a. Uh, we were real pissed at that time because we. Uh, what got us to the Super Bowl? We went away from, and the run game is what got us there. And me and JB was highly upset. Because we were trying to pass the ball when we should have been running the ball. So we came off the sideline and we were telling Sam, Sam, you know, well, why we ain't running the ball, man? We, you know, this is what got us here was the run game. And then he called that little meeting and, you know, just told us, you know, do your job, do your job. And, you know, but we did do our job, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and we should have ran the ball a little more because, you know, we, we get to the Super Bowl. Before we get to the Super Bowl, we run the ball, you know, 40, 40, 40, 40, 45 times a game. We get to the Super Bowl, we run the ball, you know, 25, 30 times. So if, if we'd have ran the ball a little more, I think, personally myself, we would have run the ball because after the game, we were like, you know, what happened? And then now they saying Boomer's shoulder was hurt. Well, it wouldn't have hurt him to spread his arm that way. <laughs> Stanford, that leads to the next question because he wasn't there. Did that alter that that run game plan uh, a little bit? B- because you, you had a three headed monster there for a little while, uh, as as far as the the the, the front line guys were. Uh, did did not having Stanley there did that alter that game plan? I don't think that it altered it. I I do think that um, I think you Sam. I'm sure he told you about the field conditions. Yeah of that entire game, I would say that Stanley's running style, you know, when he's, you have JB and Ixter. So JB and Icky were the, you know, the heart and soul of the running game and what basically got us there. And then Stanley had a running style that was a different change up from what Icky and what James Brooks delivered, which, you know, you, you do a little small doses of Stanley in there and it's a, it's a different look for the defense, and Stanley was very effective as well. So I think you're losing a little bit of that element. And the way the field was that day with, you know, I think it took a couple steps and, you know, chunks of grass was coming up. With his short, with his shorter strides, probably would have fit him a little better. Um, so, you know, again, it's one that that it's – it's he was a nice change-up to have, you know, kind of injecting him in with uh, – you know, Dickie and, uh, and James Brooks in their play. 
to, to see you, you, you four guys together uh, talking about this and, and Icky coming in and, and injecting a lot of energy, which ironically he would yeah. do in the running game back in, in 88. Uh, as our rookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what, was, he a, was he a loud mouth rookie? Was he he was, he was, hey, man, hey, let me tell you one thing. I used to say word all the time to him, but every time they say something to me, I say word, and, you know, and it's stuck, man. They call me word all the time. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Icky was, was truly the most, I mean, as a rookie coming in, he just kind of took over the locker room and everyone, I mean, it was just amazing. They kind of took over the, kind of took over the town there for a while. Oh, that, well, that, that, he still has the town, quite frankly, so. <laughs> He he um, brings a level of energy that uh, is unmatched. Amazing. And what I'm talking about unmatched. <laughs> you know, if if you're around him, guess what? You you feel good about yourself. You're gonna laugh. You're gonna have your joking, all, all that kind of stuff, man. You're just yeah. just somebody that you always want to be around. So yeah. it, you can give me some money after this. I'm telling you. Don't, don't worry about it. I got you hooked up, bro. I got okay, you, hooked you got me hooked up. up. All right, man. But now nah, he he is. He he's just that kind of guy. And and uh, to have someone like that in the locker room. Man, it's it's a whole different different his, level and different. And his pace. play, his play backed it up. Oh, so. without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was all business on the field, though. All business. His yeah. play yeah. backed it up. Oh, old baseball guy Dizzy Dean used to say, "It ain't bragging if you can back it up, right?" <laughs> That's it. No doubt. I, 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 you know, I, I was really, you know, I really want to get these guys. I mean, make sure they were a part of this because I mean, they're they're Cincinnati. Some of my best. I mean, these are my these are my guys. You know. And there's such great ambassadors, you know, for the Bengals there in, in the city of Cincinnati. Um, you know, again, like I said, during the games, I'm texting with Ira, calling Ira uh, throughout. And, uh, you know, all of the Bengal functions there, you know, they're representing and they're great community guys um, there for the city of Cincinnati. Um, again, I miss, miss them dearly not being in Cincinnati. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's all about the closeness of us. As a collective group, there. Yep, Stanford, yep. Stanford Jennings, Barney Bussey, Icky Woods, Ira Hillary, all former Bengals from that '88 Super Bowl team who were joining us here on, on the podcast. Barney, let me let me start with you on this question, and then we'll get everybody else to kind of weigh in on it as well. But uh, I, as I was joking a little earlier, we're really not joking because nobody will ever accuse me of being a bandwagon fan with this with this franchise. But but it it has it has been a long time between proverbial drinks of water for, for this team. Uh, and we all know about the playoff uh, drought. We know about all the, the struggles in the 1990s, which is why I was kind of hoping Brandon Bennett could have joined us today because he lived through that. All of that taken in, as a former player, what did it mean to see how this team came alive really in the second half of the season and put on this stretch now that's led them to where they are in the Super Bowl against the Rams coming up in a couple of weeks. What, what does it mean to you? I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, for us as former players, been in the same situation that these guys are in, uh, the fact that they did it a little bit different than what we did. Uh, when we went to the Super Bowl, we got on a run. Uh, I think we won our first seven games or six games and then went to New England and got beat by Doug Flutie. But we were the team to beat that year. Whereas these guys, it's it's like a Cinderella story. You know, uh, 
they just found a way to win, especially once they got in the playoff. Because every playoff game that they they played, they was on the dog. And sit, we as former players sit here looking like, well, I mean, we're not going to beat these guys. Uh, we don't match up good against Tennessee. Tennessee defense dominated us. But they found a way to win. Then you play Kansas City. After what Kansas City did to Buffalo, watching that game, you know, you're like, man, one of those guys going to win the Super Bowl. And then you saw how we played in the second half against Kansas City. You're like, well, what happened? What changed? So, again, these guys did a little bit different than what we did. But it, it's so exciting. I mean, you're talking about 33 years. Uh, I think when they kicked that field goal in overtime, all of us, we just, it was so emotional for all of us. I mean, we was crying, we was cheering, we was like, bring on whoever next, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was it was just pandemonium in the, in the Hillary house. That's what we watched it. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and Icky, they went about it a different way, but from from <clears throat> at least one standpoint, this team has – something big in common with the 88 team and it's because nobody expected anything out of them yeah that's true you know no nobody expected us to win like Bussy was saying you know we go down to tennessee and and you know we beat in tennessee uh nobody gave us a chance to even beat tennessee uh, all, all all the announcers all all the radio personalities everything said we couldn't beat tennessee then we go down to we go down there. We beat Tennessee. Then we go to Kansas City. They uh, after the Mahomes uh, thirteen second play. There's no way you guys are going to go in the Arrowhead. Yeah, you beat them in you beat them in Cincinnati, but you had help from the refs and you guys didn't really win that game. Uh, they're they're going to just blow you guys out the water. Okay, well we'll we'll see. So we get we get down there. Rams get up, I mean, the um, Chiefs get up 18 points. I'm in the stands, and all the fans coming by saying, hey, man, you guys had a great year, man. You know, uh, <laughs> you, know you guys did great this year. You had, a, you had a great year. We appreciate you coming and getting us warmed up for the Super Bowl. You guys had a great year. I turned around to him. I said, now, understand this. I said, what makes you laugh also makes you cry. I said, when them double zeros hit, I want you to have that same energy, have that same energy. And when them double zeros hit, I couldn't find none of them clowns. Boy, they was all gone. <laughs> but I tell you what, I was in there after the fool. <laughs> we had a we had a blast, man. It was a great time. To watch those guys, man, get it done, and you know, just to be there and be a part of the atmosphere, uh, you know, to be able to have the uh, uh, Lamont uh, Lamont Hunt Trophy to to Mr. Brown was was a great feeling, a great honor to be able to to be able to be a part of that. Somewhere, I think I've lost control of this thing. Uh, Ira, nobody expected this Bengals team to do anything coming off of the last two seasons where they won two and, and, and four games. Nobody expected the 88 Bengals team to do anything coming off of that 4-11 team 
our four and eleven season in eighty seven. You got that in common as well. There yes. there were there were no expectations of of really anything for either one of these teams. No, from from uh, if if you look at uh, the 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 outsiders, uh, we knew what we had in the locker room because as Barney as he stated earlier that we lost a few games back uh, in that four and eleven season. We lost a lot of games by three points. You know, I don't I don't know if we got beat by ten or more points during the course of that whole season, and we went four and eleven. We just couldn't figure out how to win those games. But come that next season, nobody believed in us. We believed in ourselves. But when we started to win and we won six games in a row, some eyebrows raised. Mm-hmm. And from there, guess what? We were the team to beat. A little bit different with this team in that, you know, they've won games and they've won them here and there. And as the season progressed, guess what? They have just gotten better and better and better. And like Icky said, nobody expected, nobody really and truly expected the Raiders I mean, uh, for us to beat the Raiders. So we went through the Raiders. Okay, you're not going to beat the, the the Titans. Went through the Titans. Okay, you're not going to beat the Chiefs. Beat the Chiefs. Guess what? L.A. We come. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, 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 and you know what they're saying now? We're not going to beat the Rams. Yeah. So we're going to see. We're going to go. go <laughs> we're going to make everybody believe it by the end of this thing that Joe go. Burrow is that one that got that it factor. You know, it comes along every so often, but that kid has the it factor. Absolutely. And the the thing that I love about what we're doing here now is because I don't hear they, I hear we talking about this year's team from you guys. You're 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 all these years later. You're you're still invested, and and their victories are in some ways your victory, Stanford. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. It's great. So, you know, Dan, looking at, again, you're talking about the number of years, I mean, 33 years since we've played in the Super Bowl, and we've been certainly invested in the Bengals organization and, and the team, wanting them to succeed. And, you know, but also seeing other teams that have kind of gone through and, you know, in the AFC North that have gone through, won the Super Bowl. Uh, but then there's been, in those types of paths, there's been like a little spurt that you see that teams start start heat, heating up towards the tail end of the season where you kind of get on that little run, you know, where everything is kind of coming together. And that's kind of what I recognize with the Bengals team this year is that they are heating up right at the right time. And I'm just so impressed with the fight that those guys have. I mean, it's I mean, it's incredible, you know, to be down yeah. 18 to Patrick Mahomes and to, you know, just basically just steal the momentum away. Um, but it's like, that's the thing I kind of recognize about this team, just kind of pointing to they're heating up at the right time. And it's that type of momentum that just take them, you know, they're in the Super Bowl. But as we all know here, it's about, you know, that last getting – you know, getting this, yeah. getting this one. They won a ring. Now they need. Now they need to get the ring. The ring. Yeah. yeah. Barney. They got. They got. They got. They got arrogant at halftime. There, trying to go for that touchdown and got stopped. And that's when the momentum shift right before halftime. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah. Barney, what is it about Zach Taylor? But you know, there were questions his first two years about whether he could handle 
this job at that age. He's 38 years old now. I think I've got underwear that's 38 years old somewhere. <laughs> but, but 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 what what is it about Zach Taylor that has caused this thing to click? Well, you know, you know, I think the guys that he's brought in, uh, you got we got a young team, uh, and I think he's able to relate a lot to those guys because he's such a young coach. Uh, and he coached differently than what Sam or Dick LeBeau or the older coaches uh, were doing in their time. Mm-hmm. So, so I think those guys are able to relate to Zach uh, a little bit more. Uh, the game has changed a lot since we played. Uh, so, and I, I was listening to him the other night and saying, you know, uh, they're learning as they go. You know, so they are trying new things. And I think the guys are really just – He's really got them buying into what he's trying to get them to do. Stanford, I know you said maybe about 40 minutes, and we're kind of right there now, so I'll try to get this thing into into wrap-up mode here in a minute uh, as we continue here on, on the Dan Scott Show podcast, Episode 11 with Stanford Jennings, Ira Hillary, Barney Bussey, Icky Woods, all former Bengals from the 88 uh, Super Bowl team uh, as we kind of reminisce and preview What's coming up? I, I I just want to know from your standpoint, as a wide receiver, how would you like to be catching passes from Joe Burrow? Oh my goodness, man! The, the balls that he throw and his ball placement, he'll probably is, drop them. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> you need to go back and check the tape because I don't think I dropped them. I'll be with you. <laughs> I know, man. We're not close, Dan. As you, as you hey, compare, yeah. Dan, we're not close. You, you guys, you guys can't stand each other, can you? To answer your question, Justin Joe is uh, he's a technician, man, and and when he throws the balls down the field, it's it's really and truly from a wide receiver receiver uh, standpoint, he puts it in a place to where it's almost you should never drop a, a ball. Right. Case in point that the. Uh, Third, I think it was third down play that he threw to Jamar Chase over to uh, the right side when they were playing Tennessee. I think it was mm-hmm. Tennessee. That ball, that that deep out cut, and, and we needed a first down in order to put ourselves in position in order to uh, get that field goal. Right. He placed that ball so perfect it wasn't even funny. And he's been doing that the entire year. So, yeah. really and truly, I think Barney can catch a ball from Joe Burrow. And not Barney, that, you know, well, he's finger. a wide receiver that can't catch those defensive backs. Right, yeah. <laughs> hey, Barney, show him that <laughs> finger. Nothing but love, man. Nothing but love. That's my dog. Now, Barney, I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to give you a minute for rebuttal here because because of all of the all of the attention on the offense on Burrow and Chase and, and uh, Joe Mixon and, and, and deservedly so that wide receiver crew is just phenomenal. It's been the defense in these playoffs that, ha- that has carried this team and has made big play after big play after big play. What, what do you see out of this defense where, where they've been able to turn it up a notch? Well, well I think they're a little bit similar to uh, our 88 team that went to the Super Bowl. Uh, we didn't have any really stellar players or big name superstars on our team. We were just a group of guys that, you know, played within the frame of the defense and we was opportunistic. 
you know, if you threw an Aaron pass, somebody was going to come down with it other than the offense. So when I see that from these guys. They are making plays when they have opportunity to make plays. Yeah, they dropped a few here and there, but for the most part, they made adjustments in the second half and they held their own. All right, I'm going to go around to each one of you and get get a final word if you want to make a prediction, if you want to make a – uh, some analysis of this game coming up. I'll leave it up to you, and we'll just kind of go in, in, in reverse order on my screen here. Icky, I'll, I'll start with you, because if I don't get you out of the way, we may not get through these other guys here. You're right about that, Yeah, you know, I'm look, looking for a good game. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 31-27 Bengals. All right, Ira? Well, I, I think both both teams bring a whole lot uh, to the table from an offensive standpoint. And, and it seems as though on the surface that the Rams bring a little bit more on the defense, but I don't believe that. What I'm going to say is I'm going with 30 to 24 Bengals. Barney Bussey. We're going to kick a field goal. We're going to kick a field goal to win this thing. It's going to be 28-27. All right. Stanford Jennings. So you're you're you, you like this rookie kicker, Barney? I, 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 love, I, love, I love this guy. <laughs> we all we all like him. Yeah, ice water in the vein. <laughs> Stanford, you get the final word since you set this thing up for me. All right. So certainly Bengals. It's going to be by three, and I'm calling for thirty-three thirty. Thirty-three thirty. At the gun. Uh, yeah, that's okay. that's Evan. Evan, that's his uh, that's his sweet spot, sweet timing. Yeah, because this <laughs> Put more pressure on him, the better off he is. But yeah, he doesn't miss anyways. But yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm good there. Th- this team doesn't do anything easy, does it? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> they, they've got a lot of fight. Yep. Well, th- this has been fun. Uh, like I said, I could keep going, but I know you guys got things to do. But uh, Stanford Jennings, thank you for setting this up. Barney Bussey, Ira Hillary. Icky Woods, if if people appreciate you, Stan. Yeah. appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man. All right, Exer. All, all right, brother. All right. Love all y'all, man. Y'all be good. All right, be good. Love you guys, man. <laughs> Wasn't that just fantastic? Thank you so much, Stanford Jennings, again for setting that up. Thank you to Ira Hillary. Thank you to Barney Bussey. Thank you to Icky Woods for injecting some energy into what was already a fun podcast. It was uh, just an incredible time. Fun for me just to kind of try to direct it and let those guys go. And as Stanford and I texted yesterday, he said, you know, thanks for hurting us. And I said, well, Bengals are cats. So it was kind of like hurting cats, especially when Nikki showed up. But it was an absolute blast. We'll step out, come back, and I'll have a devotional thought and some personal thoughts about Sam Weish when we – wrap up episode 11 of the Dan Scott Show podcast in just a moment. When it's time for a new mortgage or refinance, finding someone with a proven track record of both success and customer service can be an issue. Scott Fowler of Guaranteed Rate is the solution to both problems. Scott has helped thousands of clients achieve their home ownership dreams for over two decades 
and has been recognized as a top 1% originator in the U.S. by both Mortgage Executive Magazine and Scotsman Guide. And about that customer service, 96% of Scott's customers say they would use him again. Take advantage of the incredibly low finance rates while you can. Let Scott and his team guide you through the process start to finish. Call today, 864-915-8779. Again, that's 864-915-8779. Or find out much more online at www.rate.com slash Scott Fowler. Scott Fowler and Guaranteed Rate. Hey friends, Booty Cothran here, native of Greenville and eight-time competitor on NBC's American Ninja Warrior. And I want to tell you about Motive School of Movement, our new ninja and parkour gym right here in Greenville where we are teaching movement and functional fitness to people ages five and up and of every ability and skill level and they're loving it. We've got families that work out together, kids that leave the gym sweating and tired who can't wait to come back. We've even got a 62-year-old member taking adult parkour classes. And if you've got a child who would enjoy a Ninja Warrior themed birthday party, we're your place. Together with Brett and Grace Sims and Bob Reese, we've created Motive School of Movement in an incredible facility located just behind Haywood Mall on Webb Road. Stop by and see us in person or take a virtual tour at motivemovement.org. That's motivemovement.org. Or just search Motive School of Movement or call us at 864-775-4844. That's 864-775-4844. Sometimes in life, you simply need to treat yourself to the best. And every time you lift a refreshing soda from Hank's Beverages to your lips, you're simply already a winner. It doesn't matter if it's a root beer, orange cream, vanilla cream, black cherry, or grape soda. There's a reason Hank's Beverages has been known as Philly's best for well more than a decade. Find Hank's online at hanksbeverages.net or you can find their product here in the upstate at Ingalls Supermarkets, Lowe's Grocery Stores, and Harris Teeter. You might know that State Farm agent Ed Patterson has great service. He's your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates too? Yep, that's right. Along with good neighbor service, State Farm agent Ed Patterson has surprisingly great rates for everyone in Greenville. So call State Farm agent Ed Patterson at 864-322-0031 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. Is your roof leaking or damaged? Do your gutters need repaired? You can Google roofing companies until your computer overheats, or you can simply call the best, Bracken Roofing and Gutter. Whether it's roof replacement, new and remodel installation, roofing insurance claims, whatever your needs, Bracken Roofing and Gutter will simply do it right the first time. And the same goes for gutter screen installations. Forget about balancing on ladders and cleaning your gutters. Let Bracken Roofing and Gutters screen them for you today. Listen, do not settle for subpar work. Get a free inspection today. Check out their reviews on Facebook. You'll see many satisfied customers, and they're all saying the same thing, that they're happy that they chose Bracken Roofing and Gutter. That's Bracken Roofing and Gutter. Call Kyle today at 864-704-5993. We are back to put a wrap on episode 11 of the Dan Scott Show podcast. Such great fun today. 
and, and for a lifelong Cincinnati Bengals fan, I, I have to admit that I was uh, yelling at the television on Sunday. I was uh, uh, up and down. There were moments when I was very calm. There were moments when I was not very calm. Uh, I don't know if you caught what I think it was Barney Bussey said, that he and Ira Hillary, I think, were watching the game together, and there were tears shed when Evan McPherson kicked that game-winning field goal to send the Bengals to the Super Bowl. When, when you emotionally invest in something and you're a true fan, uh, and I said a couple of times in the uh, course of the interview, nobody will ever accuse me of being a bandwagon fan because – uh, people know. I mean, I can't tell you dozens of texts and uh, tweets and Facebook messages that I received after McPherson's game winner. People know that that I have been a long, long-suffering Cincinnati Bengals fan. So uh, it, it's when, when you have that kind of emotional investment, sometimes when you don't want to, it's these moments that make it pay off. And for better or worse, I have never been the type of person who can say, you know what, I'm not rooting for that team anymore. I have been a lifelong Reds fan. I've been a lifelong Cincinnati Bengals fan. I've been a lifelong Boston Celtics fan, although I don't follow the NBA hardly at all anymore. But if I do, I'm still a Celtics fan. Those are those are my teams through good times and bad, and and that is the way that uh, that's the way that I roll. I. I Again, for better or worse, I just can't walk away from somebody, even though the Bengals, I'm going to tell you, they tested that medal an awful lot over the last 33 years. But hanging with it, that's what made it worth it on Sunday, those moments, that moment. What they've done in three weeks in the playoffs has made all of that worth it. I just hope we don't go another 33 years. You know, let, let's get good and stay good for a while. That'd be nice. As we close out today, uh, I mentioned at the beginning this episode, much more sports, but I, I do want to share a little bit of a devotional thought here, and it centers around Sam White, who we talked an awful lot about at the beginning uh, of this episode with, with Stanford and Ira and um, Barney before Icky Woods got on with us. But uh, Sam was such a polarizing figure. He, he was uh, very loud, very gregarious. He, he was very confident. He was very outspoken. But the other thing that Sam was, as I came to find out when I got to know him, he was very strong in his faith in Jesus Christ. He, he was publicly professing to be a Christian, was not ashamed of that, would talk about it whenever he got the opportunity. We had a number of conversations about it on air and off, and in fact, uh, I, I recall there was a uh, a point when we were talking about Tim Tebow and the uh, criticism that he was getting in, in the early stages of his NFL career, and, and Sam was was very uh, outspoken about the fact that he thought a lot of that criticism had nothing to do with his ability to play. They thought it had to do with the fact that Tim Tebow is very open about his faith in Christ as well. Sam was was one of the absolute kindest, funniest, and nicest men that I ever come across. And, and as I said earlier, the fact that the guy who became the coach of my favorite NFL team when I was a senior in high school for that 1984 season, I graduated in the spring of 85, 
that I would go on to become friends with him. Uh, we would share the Furman connection. We would share many, many conversations on the radio and off. It, it, it just still, at age 54, almost 55 years old now, blows my mind. I remember specifically the very first conversation that I had with Sam. It was after doing a high school football broadcast uh, at Pickens High School in Pickens, South Carolina. Had to be 2002, 2003. And I, I walked up to him uh, after the game and extended my hand, introduced myself, told him who I was, what I was doing with the radio station, and said, I'm the only man in America who buys the NFL Sunday ticket package to watch the Bengals. And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, you're probably right. I asked him to be on my show that coming week. He did, and that was the beginning of a relationship that lasted until his death a little over a year ago. The one thing that I have brought up every opportunity that I get when Sam Weish's name comes up is that we were blessed to get three more years of Sam Weish because he was the recipient of a heart transplant. And after that, as you might imagine, he became a very vocal proponent of organ donorship. So as the Bengals are making this unlikely run to the Super Bowl and getting ready to play the Rams out in Los Angeles, what better way to honor the memory of Sam Weish than the next time it comes time for you to renew your driver's license, check that box that says, yes, I'll be an organ donor. My wife and I did that a number of years ago before this happened with Sam, but it has really driven home the point that we got three more years out of this guy before cancer took him because he was the recipient of a heart transplant. How many other lives can be saved by organ donorship? So I would encourage you, if you want to honor Sam's memory, and, and don't wait to the next time that your driver's license comes up for renewal. Cause sometimes now I know mine is on a 10 year cycle. Go to your DMV. I know that prospect scares people, but go to your DMV and, and make the change. Now get a new license, make the change and, and honor the memory of Sam Weish by laying the foundation that after you're gone, that you might give life to somebody through organ donation. That is the absolute best way you can honor the memory of Sam Weish and in doing so, help keep his legacy alive. Sam was a dear friend. I miss him every day, but I know that because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to see him again someday. I hope that you have that same faith as well. If not, I would love to talk to you about it. Shoot me an email, thedanscottshow at gmail. Com. With that, we are going to put a wrap on episode 11 of the Dan Scott Show podcast, Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl edition. Whoever thought we'd be saying that again this soon? 33 years being soon, right? We'll be back with you again next time. Thanks again to Tadaro Pizza for continuing its sponsorship of what we do here, our presenting sponsor, and to all of you, our other sponsors, and you, our listeners. Again, like, share, Help us grow this thing, and let's uh, let's come back next week and do it all over again. Until then, for Stanford Jennings, Barney Bussey, Ira Hillary, 
and the author of the Icky Shuffle, Icky Woods. I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you and so long, everybody.